Your body is an amazing machine. It turns food into energy, heals wounds, supports your consciousness, and so much more. But it needs the right fuel and signals to function at its best. Some of those signals include adaptogens. These are compounds that balance hormones and help you deal with stress in a healthier way. If you're feeling tired, these compounds give you a boost of energy. If you're stressed, they help you return to a natural state of calm. They literally help you adapt to the stress of life. My favorite source of adaptogens is Organifi. And this spring, I am loving Organifi Gold. This delicious tea contains powerful superfoods to help you sleep and recover so you can wake up feeling refreshed and energized. It supports rest and relaxation, a healthy immune response, and a better response to stress. It's my favorite bedtime snack. Just one scoop in warm water with a splash of almond milk is such a delicious, healthy treat that I look forward to as I wind down my day. Organifi takes pride and offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. You can experience Organifi's high quality superfoods without breaking the bank. Head over to www.organifi.com slash best of you and use code best of you for 20% off your entire order. That's www.organifi.com slash best of you. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Allison, and I'm so glad you're here to discover what brings out the best of you. This podcast is all about breaking free from painful patterns, mending the past, and discovering our true selves in God. I can't wait to get started as we learn together how to become the best version of who we are with God's help. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Best of You podcast. I am so glad you're here today. I can't wait to share with you this second part of my conversation with my friend, Andy Kolber. It's a special week. This is the week her brand new book, Strong Like Water, is out in the world. I'm sure many of you have already gotten your hands on it. It's an incredible book about the power of strength and really the nuances of strength, that there are different types of strength, that it's not always what we think it is on the surface. And today we get into some really interesting nuances of the conversation, including a conversation about the fawn response, which is a way of pleasing others or winning others over that emerges as a form of a trauma response. And we also dig into a really fascinating discussion about Jesus and the nervous system and how he models resilience and this flow of strength. So please enjoy my conversation with Andy Kolber. We tend to think of activation and we tend to think of this situational strength. My sense is we might tend to think of it more obviously as when I'm in that fight response or I'm in a just a high anxious, you know, my body is tense, my stomach's in knots, all those ways in which cues, right, that we are now in that situational strength. What about that fawn response? What was so confusing for me is my situational strength is pleasing people. That's Mm. how I am surviving. (laughs) It's the fawn response. And how do I become aware of that? Because that seems like a nice, good Christian thing to do. Mm. And for me with that particular one, because it's so interpersonally linked, Mm -hmm. I almost need in that one place other people to remind me, you being one, of, okay, wait, no, safety doesn't feel like me setting myself aside to make someone else feel okay. Safety doesn't mean playing small so that I don't threaten anybody. Tell me how that piece of it 
for those who are listening who their situational strength is just playing really small, is just disappearing. Yeah, no, thank you for bringing that up. And I think like we talked about in the other episode, how I led with the fierce part. And then there's like the stalwart part. You and I have talked about how much I also resonate with the fawn part. And that is very much a part of my story and my strategies as well. Yeah, And so I just appreciate you bringing that up because I think this is definitely the nuances where people get missed mm-hmm. or where I think particularly in Christian culture, there is this sense of praise, particularly for women who are living from the fawn response. Mm-hmm. And that is a very confusing place for the person themselves because mm-hmm. whereas if someone's in the fight response, you might get interpersonal feedback like, whoa. Or if someone's leaving, you might get different feedback. So with the fawn response, there's many things to say. And I find the, honestly, I find the fawn response fascinating mm-hmm. and also at times a little bit infuriating, mm-hmm. but fascinating. And what I mean by infuriating is just because I, it's also part so much of my story. So with the fawn response, I really conceptualize it similarly as a place of you're leaving. Mm-hmm. If we're thinking of it as like self, there's a sense in which self is disconnected from right? Or if it's the other language I use, you're leaving the window of tolerance and you're either going to a place of hypervigilance, like how can I help? What else do you need? Oh, oh, can I do that for you? Oh, but can I take care of that? Oh, hi, can I just (laughs) crawl on the floor in front of you? And you know, you can feel the energy in my voice with the hypervigilant fond response. And then what I would say, because I think there's really more research that's needed with the fond response, but My understanding, and this is really from consulting with Dr. Ariel Schwartz, which she's done some great work around different nervous system responses, but that it can also go into more of a dorsal vagal fawn Mm. response. So what that means is that, again, it's still situational strength, Mm -hmm. but it's more from that place of once you've the hypervigilant, like you've, oh, I want to help you. I want to do this. Then it's almost the submission piece. Mm -hmm. Like now it's just, okay, go ahead and just walk all over me. I'm good. Roll over and play dead. Yes. You can just take whatever you want from me. Yep. And I think that's a different energy. And it's important when we're talking about the nervous system, we can track how different states are experienced in our body. The reason why both of these are fawn and that's not a dissociative response is that the goal there, Pete Walker coined this term Mm -hmm. fawn response, and it's really about over-accommodating and pleasing or submitting to neutralize the threat. Mm -hmm. It's important to say it's a really adaptive and it's a very complex response. Mm -hmm. This is not something that most people just do the first time they are in a situation that someone wants something from them. Most folks learn it Because over time, they've learned fighting doesn't help. Yep. Fleeing doesn't help. Exactly. Just playing dead, just dissociating is maybe not enough. What they've learned is if I spin myself in circles and give you every single thing that you want and walk on eggshells around you and then not say anything, (laughs) maybe I will be able to navigate the threat. And so that situational strength, 100%. And I love that again, because then there's no shame because we do shame ourselves for that. And it's no, that's how you learn to survive. It worked. And even if you find yourself in it, one of the things I've learned is that is probably a cue. There might be some unsafety around me. Right. I want to circle back to this because you touched on this and you started to talk about how when there's a lot of it, when someone has 
been living almost only out of situational strength. In that moment of beginning to recognize, we can feel shame. Before we immediately go to the compassionate resource and we start to see ourselves, right? We start to observe ourselves. And when we start to observe ourselves, when we start to see ourselves, I remember this vividly for me, when I began to witness and observe that fawn response in action, there was shame in that. Yes. I love that you named that. And I mean, from the perspective that I often work, it's like saying, if shame is showing up, the question becomes what function is shame playing in that situation? And it may be that in the past, right? In the past, it wasn't safe Mm. for me to access the resources I needed. So shame may have actually kept me in the situational strength and in the cycle because something in my body was like, if I don't, there is nobody for me. There is nowhere else to go. And so I want to be clear in saying, I'm not saying shame is necessarily where we want to live, but we can have compassion for the role that shame has played Yes, and perhaps how it's kept us in the survival mode because- It communicated in some way to us, it is not safe to come out of survival mode. And so part of this work, and I talk about this a lot in Strong Like Water, sometimes people might even feel like it's too much, but this is just my own journey of really wanting people to pace themselves, Mm -hmm. right? That pacing ourselves, like it's that growth that feels doable. It's like the bite-sized pieces where We're not trying to do so much at once Mm -hmm. that it paradoxically might even be too much for the nervous system to digest by doing so much at once. And so Mm -hmm. I say that even with shame, even if we can just begin to think about thinking, that's it. Mm -hmm. Maybe we aren't ready to have compassion yet. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's fair. Maybe we are not ready to have compassion towards the fawn response yet. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's fair. Mm First, if we can even just develop the capacity to notice it and just to be with it. Oh, there you are. I see from a functional standpoint, here's what you've been doing for me. Okay. Over time, what can begin to happen is we may begin to develop some respect for, oh, the fun response actually helped me navigate an extremely abusive system. Oh, okay. I wonder what would have happened had I not fawned. How much worse would it have been for me? And so again, it's that in our culture, we're not always good holding that nuance. Mm -hmm. But I think it's this place where we really honor the role that it has played for us. Yeah, I love that. Shame is, it's not telling us the truth. It's not where we want to live. And also I've learned when it shows up, there's a reason. It's a cue. And to just say, okay, hello there, shame. I see you. It doesn't help me to shame myself for the shame. That's right. (laughs) It's just a cue that there's a wound there, that there's a pain there. Mm -hmm. And often it's just a matter of letting it run its course, but it's part of this journey. And it doesn't mean, the biggest thing to remember is it doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. It might mean you're doing something really brave. You talk a lot about this idea of becoming flexible and adaptable as this key to strong like water. So give us a little bit of a reminder of what you mean by that. And then I loved this idea that Jesus is actually this beautiful example of that. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. The nervous system flexibility that I'm talking about, when we go back to this flow of strength idea, part of how I conceptualize healing is not 
that we're always living in integrated strength. Because honestly, that's not necessarily possible. And frankly, there are just times that our body needs to be able to not even have a conscious thought before it reacts. We actually need that to exist in this world that we live in. And so one of the ways that I conceptualize healing is that it's the moving toward our body and our self and our nervous system accurately responding Mm. to what is in front of us. Mm -hmm. Now, this, I think, is a really, for me, like I could just camp out here. And we are going to talk about Jesus with this. But what I think is so countercultural here, I mean, this is not only secular culture, this is also Christian culture, right? In a way, secular culture's version is toxic positivity. Put on a happy face, just smile. Everything's going to be fine. And then from a faith perspective, spiritual bypassing might just look like just just pray a little bit more. Just believe. It's not to downplay, just like what we talked about, we are holistic beings. It's not that faith is not a resource. Faith very much can be a resource. But if we have to disconnect from ourselves to our experience, our faith, that is spiritual bypassing. And I would say it's a form of potentially situational strength. Say that again. If we have to disconnect from ourselves in order to function, in order to experience our faith, then we are almost likely going into spiritual bypassing, which I would say is a form of situational strength. Okay. I'm sorry. I have to pause because (laughs) I've never really thought about it exactly like what you just said, which is disconnecting from the nervous system, disconnecting from those cues to go to faith resources. It's not that the faith resources in and of themselves are a problem. There are times when I am connected to myself and I'm connected to my body and the word of God is flowing through. It is changing me, transforming me and beautiful. Same with prayer, same with all the things. There are also times in my past when I'm totally disconnected. I'm totally in whatever mode of fight, flight, whatever, Mm -hmm. activation, situational strength. And I'm trying desperately to remember that Bible verse. And it's another form of anxiety. It's another form of striving. And it's soul killing. And so you're saying, in fact, that is potentially another form of situational strength. It's survival. Not all bad. Again, no shame on it. That helped me understand after I had my stroke, Andy, in the car Mm -hmm. on the way to the ER, I was so activated in my body. And the spiritual part of me was like grasping for promises of God, grasping for prayer. And it was not soothing me. Doesn't mean it was bad, but it was confusing to me. I was like, that was interesting because in a moment of almost feeling like I was going to die or not knowing what was going to happen to me, those resources were there, but not comforting. And what was comforting is when I got to the CAT scan and the nurse put her hand, I said, I'm so scared. It brings tears to my eyes. Put her hand on my arm and said, I know it's scary, honey. It's scary. That's what soothed my nervous system. That was embodied comfort, safety. And it wasn't that all those things I was grasping for weren't true. It's just that was a situational strength response in that moment. And again, not bad, not good. Just not exactly what I know to feel as that deep sense, which I felt after that of God with me. That's right. That is so interesting. Yeah. No, I think that's such a good weaving together of this. That's exactly right. 
Today is the day to start changing the trajectory of your life one tiny step at a time. In Change Your Brain Every Day, psychiatrist and clinical neuroscientist Daniel Amen, MD, draws on over 40 years clinical practice with tens of thousands of patients to give you the most effective daily habits he has seen that can help you improve your brain, master your mind, boost your memory, and make you feel happier, healthier, and more connected to those you love. Incorporating Dr. Amen's tiny habits and practices over the course of a year will help you manage your mind to support your happiness, inner peace, and success. Learn how to develop lifelong strategies for dealing with whatever stresses come your way and create an ongoing sense of purpose in a way that informs your daily actions. In the pages of Change Your Brain Every Day, you'll get a year's worth of life-changing daily wisdom from Dr. Amen, one of the world's most prominent psychiatrists. Visit changeyourbrainbook.com to learn more. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. There are so many times in life when we just wish we had a user manual, a guide to help us get through a hard situation. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel uncertain, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or becoming a parent. And BetterHelp Online Therapy can provide you with that guidance that you need. We talk so much on this podcast about the benefits of gaining better coping strategies, breaking free from painful relationship patterns, dealing with trauma, and setting healthy boundaries. Therapy can help you grow in all of these areas. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. You fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. There's no waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bestofyou. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash best of you. It's just understanding that there have maybe been times for folks when spiritual bypassing has played a role for them that they maybe, again, like all situational strength, have needed. There was something about that that it didn't feel safe to maybe go to God, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So they couldn't bring themselves to yeah. God. Yes. So they disconnected from themselves and in a way dissociated toward God. And so we can honor the function while also naming that ultimately that's maybe not really getting us where we want to go, which is bringing it to our full self, which is allowing faith as a resource to be experienced as a true resource. Yeah. And not as a way to suppress the yeah. body, the nervous system, the sensations we're experiencing. Yeah. Because in that way, it can be harmful. Yeah. In that way, it may mean, oh, I'm going to have to come back to this thing later to process because our body is not experiencing the support needed to metabolize the distress that's yeah. happening. Oh, that's so good. I'm so glad we're continuing this conversation because I think man, in that moment, I had to come back and go, what God, because God is with us when we're in situational strength. We know that baseline, right? God is there, but our bodies are not experiencing that. 
And parts of us are scrambling to experiencing that. God is there. But Mm -hmm. that experience, like for me, that was the biggest piece I had to process. I was like, why in that moment? I spent a lot of time with God. Why in that moment did I not feel the comfort of God? Is there something wrong with me? And that's, Mm -hmm. I think, something a lot of people feel. And God bless Mm -hmm. you if you do in those moments feel. There's other times where Mm -hmm. I felt the comfort of God. But that was fascinating to me. And I had to learn to look at it. Oh, isn't that interesting? And how do I resource myself mm-hmm. in a new mm-hmm. way? Because for whatever reason, the thought of death for me did not bring that. And I did. I went through a journey of working that through with God and not shaming myself for it. I think so many people have that experience of praying, of trying so hard, right? That situational mm-hmm. strength And again, we want to be clear, we're not saying God isn't there with you in that, but for whatever reason, that strategy is not actually what your nervous system needs in that moment. And that particular thing might not be the resource that you need to move you into that lived, felt experience of safety with God. Yeah, there are certainly people who are in situational strength where God is God. So I don't want to put God in a box, right? It is not to say that apart from anything we do that God shows up in some way. And generally speaking, we are in that survival brain. What is first and foremost going to move us towards that compassionate resourcing and into the transitional strength is really almost a case by case, the question, what feels safe to your body? Yeah. And so it's not to say that scripture couldn't be also a resource, right? It is not to say that a prayer wouldn't be part of the resource, but if it is not, it's okay. It's okay. Like it's valid. And here's what I would just say. I think a lot about the scripture that says every good and perfect gift, every good and perfect gift comes from above, right? right? And for me, I'm like, listen, these things that are communicating safety to our bodies, that's a good gift. Amen. That's That's a good gift. And there's no shame in having to use whatever resources are communicating safety so you can have sort of a foothold into your transitional strength. And then you can make decisions about what you need or what people you need or in what ways you need to experience God. But I think the other thing I would just say is that that I would just communicate is that in situational strength, probably one of the biggest indicators is that there really is no choice. Like in transitional strength, you have some choices. Mm-hmm. In survival, in that survival brain, situational strength, it's like you got buckled into the roller coaster yep. and now you're going. Now, if you can, right before you get on the roller coaster, if you can be like, hold on, <laughs> hold on, I want to, I think I want to get off the roller coaster. That might be possible. And so I hope as folks are hearing this, I hope that maybe evokes some compassion. Yeah. Amen. That this is not you being like, oh, I don't need God. I don't need support. I don't no. This is your body doing what it is designed to do, which is survive. That's right. And you know what? It also goes back to conditioning your own childhood wounds. Like when you go into that situational strength, especially if it's a crazy thing out of the blue, like what happened in me, you go right back to eight years old where I didn't have a felt experience. I only knew this legalistic way of relating to God. So of course, it's not wasn't a conscious choice. It's just where my brain and nervous system went. So tell us, Andy, I got to have you talk to me about, so how <laughs> does Jesus 
represent this nervous mm-hmm. system flexibility. Does that tie in here? Yes, absolutely. Well, before I say that, what I want yes. to step back and just say is that I think one of the things that, you know, similarly of the geeking out <laughs> that I like to do is I love, and for me, this just, this roots me a lot in my own faith is that Jesus, this incarnational embodied God. That's right. And for me, that is so vital. As I've walked through my own traumas and healing those experiences and walking consistently in my career with folks who have been harmed in so many different ways, Mm -hmm. right? It is not to minimize the other elements of Jesus's divinity and the bigness of God, like those matter, right? Mm -hmm. But for me, it is a love letter It is an absolute love letter, an invitation to really security and the withness of God, that God lived in a body. God lived in the constraints of a body. God Mm. was birthed in vulnerable circumstances, wept and slept and did all these things Mm. that are human and embodied. Getting high quality food and household essentials delivered right to my doorstep, whether it's my favorite Dave's Killer Bread, incredible wine, or seventh generation cleaning supplies has been a game changer for me. I love that Thrive Market only allows trusted top quality ingredients while restricting thousands of harmful ingredients like artificial flavors, high fructose corn syrup, and more. And with just a few clicks, I can filter out ingredients that I don't want, like gluten or high sugar content, making it so easy to find the items I need for my family. Best of all, when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash best of you for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash best of you. Thrivemarket.com slash best of you. A recent survey found that 7 in 10 parents get an average of just three hours of sleep a night in their baby's first year. Moms, you deserve to have quality sleep. And I know one thing that will help. It's Cozy Earth. You can discover the secret to better sleep with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products. And here's an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for our listeners. Use code BESTOFYOU for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Cozy Earth bedding products are crafted with temperature-regulating technology that adapts to your body's needs through all phases of motherhood. And they use only the very best fabrics, materials, and weaves, offering superior softness that invites you to sink into a world of comfort. The best part is Cozy Earth stands by the quality and longevity of their products. Enjoy a 100-night sleep trial and a 10-year warranty on all purchases. They're built to last through the hardest days and the longest nights. Treat yourself to ultimate comfort with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code BESTOFYOU for an exclusive 35% off. The luxury she deserves. Cozy Earth. And so I frame it that way first because I cannot overstate the significance of Jesus living in a body. There's so many things. One, We're going to talk about the nervous system in a moment, Mm -hmm. but even just from this attachment lens, which Mm -hmm. is also something that I integrate a lot, that instead of a God who remains far off, Mm -hmm. I think the fact that the embodiment of Jesus really is communicates in a very attachment-oriented way Mm -hmm. the nearness, the solidarity Mm -hmm. of God with us. And so I think all of that for me is like the context in which 
Here's Jesus, this incarnate God living in a human body and in his life. I mean, scripture, we do get pictures of Jesus, but obviously I know that there's a lot of his life we never Mm -hmm. were privy to. And yet, you know, I think about the flexibility of, for example, going to the wedding, his first miracle, and, you know, he is making water into wine and that there's this sense of celebratory, like there's this sense of that is a nervous system Mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. You don't just do that through the lens of just like everything is perfectly calm. It's like remaining neutral all the time, right? right? Jesus was not vanilla. He was like, Jesus showed up as a human, right? When he's flipping the tables to the money changers, that that's anger. One of the stories that is so sacred to me is when he shows up after the Lazarus has died and he sees, I think it's Mary weeping. And just those verses, like Jesus is moved. And then Jesus wept. Amen. And for me, I mean, there's more to that story, right? Like he does, he raises Lazarus, right? Mm -hmm. He does that. Mm -hmm. But I just cannot get over the fact that the God of the universe who Mm -hmm. already knows what's going to happen first is moved and weeps. That's right. Yeah. Like that is nervous system flexibility, right? If we go back to what we said at the beginning of this episode, we are responding appropriately to what is in front of us right? Jesus, like even in these examples, there is a match there. Mm -hmm. There is a match in his literal nervous system to what's happening in the situation, right? Now, I think this is a beautiful example on so many levels. One, it is our own invitation to be matched, Mm -hmm. to have different emotions, to Mm -hmm. honor anger, to honor joy, Mm -hmm. to honor grief, Mm -hmm. right? Among many other experiences Mm -hmm. we might have and Jesus had, but it could have been different. Mm -hmm. Like it could have been communicated to us differently. Jesus didn't have to necessarily weep. Jesus didn't have to show this anger. Yeah, The fact that he did not only, I think, is an invitation to us in our own humanity, but I think it's also an expression of the fullness of God with us in our humanity, right? It's not like God just being like, okay, I guess you're human. I'll tolerate that. It's like, no, no, no. I love you so much. And Mm -hmm. I too share those experiences with you and model that with you and feel with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think all of that inspires me. Mm -hmm. It inspires me because what I have learned about the nervous system and embodiment, I'm like, there is no true healing on this earth if we don't bring our bodies. And so what a beautiful picture that Jesus shows us what it's like Mm -hmm. to be fully human Mm -hmm. and to live in a body. So do you think Jesus went through the whole flow of strength? Do you think he had situational strength? Yeah, this is the way that based off of what I know about the body and just know about Jesus and also how I view Jesus as being both fully God, fully human, is that I believe he did probably access situational strength. And in also the partnering of his divinity, I could see that maybe like I think about as I heal, how I'm able to move more quickly along the flow. Yes. And it would make me wonder if that's sort of maybe that picture that because it's just, I don't know what big scary animal would have maybe potentially 
eaten Jesus like in those days or something. But there is a sense in which to be human requires situational strength. It's so interesting. So Jesus experienced it without sinning. I mean, so often, again, there's this link when we're in situational strength is maybe when we are more inclined to lash out or do something. But again, it gets to the, there's nothing inherently wrong. It's part of being inherently human. That's right. That's so interesting. It can come out sideways. Yes. And we can cause harm. And that is real. And I think that's where the language of repair matters, the language of reconciliation and forgiveness and all those things matter, right? Like we aren't perfect. And being in situational strength is also not an excuse for Mm -hmm. harm, Mm -hmm. right? Like we have to hold the inherent value of other people, even if. That's right. Now that doesn't mean it's always easy. And God makes a way right? God makes a way for repair. I think that's a hard tension to hold. And yet I think you're right. That picture that you painted of Jesus in all the different ways that he showed up in his body, it also strikes me as that picture, as sort of we're closing out here, of the integrated strength, right? Because we've talked so much about, because I think so much of where we live is trying to move from situational into transitional But I love when you were describing that picture of Jesus, it's like, that's the picture that integrated strength isn't passionless. It isn't emotionless. That's right. It's not this sort of numb, you know, I think people conflate numb. Give us a little picture, a vision, right? A glimpse for people listening of Mm -hmm. what it feels like. And even in your own life, thinking back to that 22-year-old that you start off with in the book, What does your body experience strength like now in this integrated way, knowing obviously that we're not always there? Yeah. Thank you for this question. I think it's really important. And you're exactly right. It's not this numb, flat way of being in the world. I think of it much more like a fullness. I Mm. think of it like expansiveness. And through my own work, I think of it like as these younger parts have continued to be integrated, as my fierceness has become integrated, what has happened is that it's not that the fierceness exists less. This is a like phrasing that Deb Dana uses, but it's before it was in service of my survival, but now it can be used in service of my wholeness Mm. and really the good of myself and also the good of others, that it's that my adult self can partner. That's what I think the picture of integrated strength, it's partnering, it's all those experiences, Mm -hmm. maybe those experiences that were meant for evil, maybe those experiences that were meant for harm. It's not that we have to celebrate that those happen, Mm -hmm. but you know what we do get to celebrate is that we survived, Mm -hmm. that we've learned, that we've grown. Like Mm -hmm. the gold that comes from that, that is ours. Mm -hmm. And I think in integrated strength, that feels the most accessible to us. Mm. The fullness that Jesus talks about. I have come that they may have life to the full. And to me, I think that is the invitation as often as we can access, as often as we can come back, to come back to that place of honoring all the strength. Mm -hmm. And as we are able, bringing those parts of our stories, bringing those pieces of gold, bringing those woven in pieces that have felt disparate Mm -hmm. and allowing them to exist Mm -hmm. in wholeness. That's beautiful. I love that picture of just all of it. I love that picture of fullness. It's the fullness of all of who you are and the fullness of who we see in Jesus. 
thank you for this gift of your presence and this gift of this work, Strong Like Water. Please tell everyone, Andy, how they can find you, how they can find the book, where to connect with you. Thank you so much, my friend. This has been amazing. I would love for folks to connect with me over at my website, andycolbert.com. You can check out the book wherever books are sold, major retailers like Amazon and Barnes and Noble and places like that. I'd love for you to connect with me on Instagram, instagram.com slash andycolbert and twitter.com slash andycolbert. All right, everybody, grab your copy of Strong Like Water. It is such a deep dive. And again, also just so practical. Andy and I talk about it. I can be disembodied. And those exercises just bring me right into that embodied experiencing. Check that out. And thank you again. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of The Best of You. It would mean so much if you take a moment to subscribe. You can go to Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click the plus or follow button. That will ensure you don't miss an episode and it helps get the word out to others. While you're there, I'd love it if you leave your five-star review. I look forward to seeing you back here next Thursday. And remember, as you become the best of who you are, you honor God, you heal others, and you stay true to your God-given self.